guys, welcome to our podcast, AstridCast by yours truly, the Astrid Nonprofit Team. Today, we'll be talking about common feminist issues that you come across in your daily life. I think it's safe to say that the majority of females have been judged over things we do or hobbies we have, particularly male-dominated interests that aren't the stereotypical girl things, right? Yeah, and it's so sad that girls literally cannot like a single thing without being labeled. For example, if a girl loves wearing dresses, it's too feminine. Then they're labeled as a girly girl, and there are many negative stereotypes against women too. There are a lot of similar instances where acting like a girl is labeled quote-unquote too feminine. Like if girls were to wear makeup, they're part of those girls. Yeah, and like the ones that are stereotyped as flirty and don't focus on school. Yeah, and the thing is, most girls just like to wear makeup because it helps them boost their self-confidence. The problem is that a lot of girls subject themselves to those stereotypes, which further normalizes them. I think that this makes the situation worse because it encourages the girls not to pursue the things they want to do unless they want to be labeled like a certain way. But if the girl doesn't do it, it also results in being labeled in a different way. But essentially, it's just a double standard created for women. And it's so frustrating, too, that we can't wear certain clothing without being slut-shamed and told that we're more susceptible to rape just because we chose to dress like that. But if we wear baggy clothing, somehow we're dressing like boys and are automatically labeled insecure about our bodies. And the worst part about this is that this type of mentality not only affects women, but it also affects children to think that they're supposed to act or like think a certain way because of their gender. Which is why a lot of young women change what they do or how they act because they get because they get judged or criticized, mainly because it's not what society expects them to be. It's like when women radiate any type of confidence, they're immediately labeled as self-centered people, and others will always try to find flaws and imperfections to lower their confidence. Or when a thinner girl promotes healthy eating or dieting, they're praised. But a girl who weighs, quote-unquote, more than society deems as the standard, promotes healthy eating or dieting, they're shamed for it and told that it's what they should be doing. It's as if society doesn't take anything more than a housewife and so-called womanly duties, but they also can't take any less of it either. Yeah, sometimes I often hear as if a woman in high-level position in their career and or has high regards for her career, like a CEO, they're told that they're neglecting their other womanly responsibilities, such as being a mother or a good wife. For us, it's like there's nothing we can do that is right or a right way to act so that we're not judged by the entire world. But for men, if they do the exact same things, they're either praised or just generally accepted. It's like when girls who play sports versus guys who play sports. The two are treated differently and girls will be told to just study since guys and girls as competitive sports are treated differently in the real world anyways. They're often told that they quote unquote won't make it in the real world if they continue to pursue sports or anything else in this field. When girls like something other than girly interests like video games or sports, we're weird or labeled as pick me girls. Yeah, exactly. It's disappointing knowing that if a girl likes traditionally masculine things, she's cool or considered a pygmy girl, demonizing feminine things and pushing gender stereotypes onto her activities. A really good example of this would be like gym class. I'm sure many of us have experienced the teams getting split in gym where it's usually split between a girl's game and a guy's game. It gives off the impression that girls can't play against guys. Yeah, it's like when teams are split into girls and boys because girls are always at a disadvantage because the boys are all naturally better or more athletic. Yeah, exactly. I realize that not only do these stereotypes contribute a lot to the problem, but it's the way that it's so normalized. A lot of the girls go along with the 
stereotype as well by just not participating in the class. Yeah, and it normally encourages the teachers to just use boys to demonstrate in gym class over girls because they're so-called better, which in- further encourages the girls' behavior of not participating in gym class. It's as if any other sport that isn't dance, cheer, or sports dominantly played by girls are called quote-unquote actual sports. For example, when girls hesitate to participate in sports they're actually good at and avoid being called out for playing a boy's sport. And the thing is, it has a huge effect on girls because they'll grow up thinking that that's how they have to act. They might even start to think that they aren't supposed to like or be good at things that are marketed towards boys, such as sports and engineering. And at the same time, think that they have to like things that are marketed towards girls, such as makeup and fashion. Yeah, like I remember back in my elementary school, teachers would always split us up into girls and guys. Whereas in high school, my teachers started to split us up into competitive and non-competitive. It was a new thing for us and it was really refreshing as it gave girls who wanted to take the sport or activity seriously be able to play against the guys who also took the sport or activity seriously. The competitive and non-competitive sides could both play with people of the same skill and interest level within the sport, which is really enjoyable for everyone since there were also guys who didn't really like sports and gym as well. It gave everyone the opportunity to play how they wanted, and in my opinion, this change encouraged myself and more of the other girls to try and participate in gym class. Which is why sports are often associated with masculine imagery and are celebrated among males to prove their physical dominance, aggression, and competitiveness. But when the team is paired with females, references to weakness, passivity, and grace are associated with it. I also think that this also replies to the recent popularity of the term pick-me girl. It shows how common it is for some girls to be labeled just because they're not stereotypically feminine, and it really just restricts our behavior. Yeah, the whole pick-me girl thing is based on the idea that all girls are the same, and no one wants to be generalized. But thinking this way only further proves that the stereotypes are true. When people say, oh, I'm not like other girls, I play sports, that automatically says that the girls that aren't interested in athletics are inferior and also puts a gender restriction on enjoying sports. These misconceptions just put women in boxes and we limit each other when we really should be lifting each other up. This pick-me-girl thing is really just internalized misogyny. And for those of you who don't know, internalized misogyny is when women or girls are subconsciously sexist towards each other and often themselves. I think because femininity is so demonized in the media, all we ever see is women putting other women down, fighting or body shaming each other, and it sends the wrong message to girls. Women eventually get over this because it's easy to see the error of your type of thinking when you grow older and experience more but I think we really just have to eliminate it from the get-go. Yeah it's definitely a product of our society because we are brought up thinking that being a girl and liking typically girly things is considered less than. Yeah and that's why a lot of teenagers and young girls would go through a phase where they want to sort of reject femininity and be different than other girls just to be likable. Subconsciously, we're sexist toward each other and often ourselves because it's a standard of society. As an introvert, I find that I judge myself all the time due to this internal misogyny. For example, I often feel uncomfortable wearing makeup because of all the stereotypical strings attached, even though it's something that makes me happy. I also find myself instantly judging girls that play sports or are more social and that pick-me-girl mindset comes out. Yeah, I agree. And young girls shouldn't have to deal with internalized misogyny and appeal to the whole male gaze because the fact of the matter is that women will always be criticized regardless of what we do. 
And this is because of the way internalized misogyny has been instilled in us from such a young age. No matter how we portray ourselves or act, nothing we change about ourselves will help us overcome the way society sees us in the end. We can only be happy with ourselves and with each other through uplifting each other and supporting one another. And I think a lot of people don't realize they're doing this or they don't know what other options they have to prevent or improve the situation or even how to uplift each other. I think there are a few small changes you can make in your speech to promote a change in mindset. For example, instead of saying, I'm one of the guys, say, I like what I like. And instead of, I'm not like other girls, you can say, I love being myself. Small phrases like this can alter your mindset and try to get rid of years of conditioning. At the end of the day, when you notice yourself or others falling into that pit, try to rethink the way you project yourselves. Just being aware of this internalized misogyny is the first step. It's a slow process, but these slow processes can invoke change. I think that there are also ways you can learn to be aware of the internalized misogyny in your surroundings and ways to move past it. I think a really big one would be in literature. And whether we like it or not, literature does shape culture. So what we read is very important. Yeah, and literature doesn't just shape culture, it also reflects it. The tropes that revolve around women and their characterization in media really reflects our society's view on women. And I find it really interesting how you can see that change over time. Like you can see the transition from a man's perspective on women, which is evident in tropes that are basically just like a male fantasy, like the cool girl trope, to a woman's perspective on themselves. To me, this reflects how we've gained authority over how we're perceived. Nowadays, we're better allowed to advocate for ourselves, to choose how we dress. A YouTube channel called The Take does a really good job of examining women's roles in books and movies, and I'd really recommend their trope videos. Oh, that sounds interesting. I would definitely check them out later. But also in school, there are many books that are taught that are sexist. For example, there's Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. The main character, Holden Caulfield, objectifies women and constantly praises them for being innocent or expressing their lack of knowledge. 1984 is another one where Julia exists to make her protagonist feel things. She only exists in the male point of view, and it's an unrealistic view on what a woman is and who she should be. It also gives the male's perspective of a dream girl. Huckleberry Finn happens to every female described as a nag, shag, or bimbo. And lastly, Great Gatsby promotes the treatment towards girls to be treated like property and not a human, as if she's something to have, like an object. It's honestly disappointing that they continue to teach books like this. You can definitely learn a lot from reading stories, whether they're fictional or not, which is why people like to read. For me, reading books for school has educated me on topics that I otherwise wouldn't have learned about, such as the way women are perceived in different societies. And by providing students with books that deal with feminism, it may help them learn more about the topic, as well as hopefully giving them an insight to what it's like to live as a woman and the different struggles we have to deal with because of our gender. Yeah, and it's problematic that this is taught to the learners, people who will absorb the information and use it, whether they realize it or not. So instead of analyzing sexist books, we should start reading books during all levels, like novels from Jane Austen, which shows a perspective of love from a woman instead of a man. They are feminist in their own era because their characters accept the circumstances in that day and age, like marriage, but they push past those boundaries. Yeah, I love Jane Austen's books. Yeah, little women chose the struggle of being a woman in that day and age, and they all have well-developed personalities. In this novel, the relationships are not the main point, and it's more about sisterhood. Enjoy Luck Club in the story that develops from the perspective of women outside of relationships. The men are barely mentioned, so they are clearly the protagonists, 
which shows that they are their own person and not an accessory to men. Yeah, and I also really enjoy the color purple. It showcases how friendships can empower women and it illustrates the power dynamic between a husband and a wife and also just women and men in general. It's set in the past, but it can still apply today. Do be aware though that this novel does contain themes of abuse. With the main character being a queer black woman, the color purple also weaves in intersectionality. Intersectionality is the intersection of different discrimination. For example, how a woman of color experiences discrimination would be different than how a white woman would. Like an example from our history, um, the people who are known to be the leaders of first wave feminism, like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, did not want black men, not to imagine even black women, to vote before white women. Yeah, and avoiding white feminism or trans-exclusionary feminism is really important in a modern era since the age of white feminism has long passed. There are many subgroups of marginalized women that do not have the same privileges as white women, straight women, able-bodied women, cisgender women, etc. At the end of the day, we should realize that being a woman does not erase your privilege, and it's more important to use that privilege to uplift other women's voices, regardless of race, sexual orientation, or gender. If you do not support other women who really need it, I don't think you're a true feminist because all women need support and we need to help each other if we're ever going to move forward. Women of other marginalized groups are more likely to feel the effects of the patriarchy and misogyny harder and more intensely due to their intersecting identities. To follow that up, here are some other ways to promote feminism, including Awareness Days. I think it's important to have designated occasions to speak up about crucial issues, conflicts, and or problems in our society, as they can bring awareness to the issue. Most awareness days are created by charities or organizations to highlight a certain cause. In my experiences, those have been really great. Recently at school, we had a full day where instead of going to our normal classes, we learned about racism and the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as segregation towards people of color in the past and present. That day I learned a lot and I definitely think it would be beneficial to do something similar for feminism. I believe students could learn a lot about the topic and it would also create awareness for the movement. Students as well as teachers could be further educated on the struggles and injustices women have faced in the past and the steps it took to arrive at where we are in the present. That's such a great suggestion. And some awareness days, I, I think could educate or bring awareness to students and teachers would be International Women's Week which is the week of March 8th, International Women's Day on March 8th, International Women's Day for Peace and Disarmament on May 24th, Women's History Month, which is October, and International Day to End Violence Against Women on November 25th. I think bringing more awareness to these days could be beneficial because although there are multiple awareness days for women, people don't talk about them at all. And whether or not students participate in the awareness days at school, they are made aware of what is going on and how they can support the issue. However, there are a lot of awareness days to keep track of and that overlap, so it can get confusing or even repetitive. Yeah, so some ways that we can implement them and bring more awareness is posting about it on social media. Although it is not enough because not everyone has one, it still brings a bit more awareness. Talking about it during morning announcements in schools or even to your friends can make people to be more aware of it. Hanging posters around the school, having a booth in the cafeteria, selling handmade merch similar to Valentine's Day, maybe pins that have family symbol on them could encourage people or maybe even keychains and necklaces. Assemblies about ending violence against women are also good ideas. 
Speaking of violence against women, harassment, I think many of us females have been catcalled or harassed in some way. Yeah, I have. I remember when I was just walking and someone looked me up and down and catcalled me. Yeah, and I'm guessing you most likely ignored it, right? Yeah. So the thing is that most of us are familiar with females being catcalled in public, sexual harassment, and other similar things, but many of us choose to ignore it because we don't know any other ways to deal with it, right? But personally, I think that ignoring it most of the time will just make the problem worse. And the cause of this is because the harasser thinks it's okay because they think that the victim won't fight back. So essentially, they think they're in power, which is why it's essential to acknowledge the issue, right? I think the thing is that everyone wants to do something about it, but doesn't know what. Or worse, they think it's just not a big deal. But if you think about it like this, when we see someone fall or drop something in public, we instinctively help out. Why don't we have the same reaction when we see someone being sexually harassed? I totally agree. But also, we need to acknowledge that most of the time there are bystanders too. So if you were a bystander, what would you do? So an option is to disrupt the situation, such as by loudly dropping something or asking a victim to go somewhere else with you. We can talk to the harasser later by asking questions but not lobbing accusations like, were you aware of how you came off in that conversation? Researchers also suggest that talking openly about inappropriate behavior, like asking other people, did you notice that? Am I the only one who sees it this way? Could help. During the situation, victims will often feel isolated, and bystanders sometimes don't know if the interaction was consensual or not. So a suggestion, if you are a bystander, you could say, I noticed that happened. Are you okay with that? And bystanders are unlikely going to be there to witness when the most serious offenses happen. But harassers often test how far they can go by starting with inappropriate comments or touches. It is better to stop them before the offenses get worse. You can also secretly film harassment incidents with your phone camera and write down exactly what you've witnessed. That creates a piece of evidence if the person affected decides to pursue legal action. If people don't know where to start, they can attend bystander intervention training programs. They train people on how to safely intervene when you witness street harassment. It's so important to help each other out. So if you see someone in public and they seem uncomfortable, a really good method is to pretend you know the stranger and try to get her out of the situation. So sometimes just being aware of your surroundings could help someone else and of course yourself. So we've talked about so many different issues today and we're going to end it here. If you're interested in more feminist topics, be sure to check out our Instagram page at Astrid underscore nonprofit. Thank you for listening.